Well, I know that many of you are passionate about making the world a better place and, and are activists in the best sense of, of that word. So I know some of you who are very passionate about the homeless and making sure that the homeless get good food to eat. Um, others of you are very passionate about helping women get free from the sex trafficking industry. So you put in energy and hands-on energy into that, that ministry. Um, many of us support Choice One and young moms who are having unplanned pregnancies and to, to help encourage those moms to bring those babies into the world and not go the route of, of abortion. Many of you are on the front lines. Uh, helping with that. Others of you are really passionate about uh, helping people get free from, from drug addiction. So all kinds of, of really practical ways of helping people, and we could add to that list. That could go on and on and on. Many of you involved in those things, and you're so passionate about it that you want to bring other people along with you. And so Joan, who's our, our director of missions, gets phone calls on a regular basis from many of you saying, hey, there's this great opportunity that this ministry I'm involved with is, is doing. Could Grace Point get on board with that? Maybe support it financially, maybe even send people to be involved in that. And Joan, as Joan has described this to me, she says that there are times where she just feels like a deer in the headlights because she gets these calls and there are so many opportunities and all of them are good, but we know we can't do them all. And so she's like, how do we decide? How do we make a decision about this? And the, the stakes are really high in answer to that question because as, as you see, I mean, we, we have an incredibly generous group of people here and we have a lot of resources, not just financial, but also people resources. I mean, the skills that you guys have, education you have, experience you have, ability to solve problems. I mean, there's, there's a lot of resources here and so it's really crucial that we make good decisions and God decisions related to where we plug in to help with, with ministry. So because Joan has been dealing with this over a period of time and struggling with that question, she has developed a tool. She's done a lot of work to, to develop a tool that we're going to introduce to you today that helps us evaluate all of those opportunities that come our way and help us narrow down the focus to make those decisions about where we're going to apply the resources that we have. And so I hope that as we introduce this tool to you, it's going to help answer some why questions for you in the, the years to come as to why are we deciding to do this and not that over here. Also, I hope that you'll find this tool useful for you in your personal life and, and things that you support personally. It may help you kind of narrow the focus on that as well. So if you would take a Bible and turn to Romans 1, that is going to help explain uh, the first part of what's behind this, this tool this morning. Uh, we started, and if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a Bible there close on the seat, and uh, Romans 1 is on page 1040. If you, uh, well, we started uh, 2022 this year um, learning about God's love for us. And as I said last week, I hope you take time on a regular basis, on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis, to just marinate in God's love. It's such a privilege to have the God of the universe care about us personally. 
But so as we receive his love, we, we want to be a conduit of his love, not a collector. We don't want to stop with us. And so we're talking this month about sharing his love outside of our walls. And Daryl mentioned earlier about the, the prayer walk. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. If you did not pick up one of those little cards, we have those out at the Welcome Center. You can pick up a card. It has just a few prayer points and prompts on there for you. But I want to just give a, a testimony of how important it is that we are praying for people and involved with people personally. We shared with you last week that we had an opportunity as a church on Wednesday night to do this community support night. And uh, so many of you came out for that to help with hospitality and just to make it a, a really great evening. And so we prepared uh, a, a program for, for parents and teens were back in the teen area, kids were back in the kids area. And we, we did not have as many people come out for that as I was expecting or, or hoping. Because uh, the, the message went out, some of you probably saw it in the patch, like the Newtown patch put it out there. So we were thinking, wow, we're gonna be like overwhelmed with people. We didn't have a ton of people, but here's what I noticed about what happened on Wednesday. Um, all the parents who came who were guests uh, had personal connections with people from Grace Point. Like they were personally invited to come. And it just drove home to me again just the importance of us developing relationships with people and, be, and praying for them. And this, the prayer walk is a good way to just be tuning our minds just as we talked about earlier. It's just, just aligning our hearts and, and getting our hearts tuned to, um, to, to other people and what God wants to do in their lives. So I just want to remind you about that. So to start this morning, we're going to look at this tool. If you would just pick that up and take it, um, we're, we're going to look at the tool first, and then we're going to look at the biblical basis for it. And uh, you'll notice on the, the front piece here that there is a compass. So we don't use compasses often today. We, we have our GPSs on our phones that we use, but occasionally you might find yourself somewhere out of range and your phone doesn't work, or uh, maybe you just are going old school and, uh, or your battery runs out. And so a compass can still come in handy to, to help us find our, our way at times. And so that's the intent of this piece is to help give us guidance. And so our, our point this morning is that our compass guides our mission. Our compass gives us direction as we think about the mission that God has us on as a church. And just so that you are not reading this card while I am talking to you, I want us to read together uh, this first paragraph here that just explains what, what this compass is all about. Our mission's compass will provide guidance in the ongoing process of selecting prioritizing and evaluating global workers to send and support, international leaders to walk alongside, organizations to partner with, and projects worthy of our time and resources. This compass will also help our global outreach leaders to evaluate their strategies and efforts to fulfill the Great Commission. And so just to give you an example of the challenge that we're up against in terms of, of discerning like which organizations, which people to partner with. The one phrase here I want to kind of highlight that talks about organizations to partner with. I did just a little research to see how many, how many missions organizations are, are out there. And so there's, there's a sampling we'll put up here on the screen, but there's actually over 300 what we would consider evangelical Bible-based missions uh, around the world. That doesn't even count just domestic missions 
uh, right here inside of the country. So there's a lot of opportunities. That's not talking about all the missionaries. Every one of those represents like, you know, many, many missionaries. There's just lots and lots and lots of options out there is my point. And we obviously cannot support all of them. So this tool is a tool to say, how can we narrow that down? And so um, this compass incorporates our, our values as a church, our values as it relates to missions. And so the blue ones, the, the ones that are highlighted there in blue, we, we could consider our bedrock church values. That we want that to be, we want these to be true of everything uh, that we do, whether it's inside our walls or out. And so those three bedrock values that we're gonna talk about this morning are gospel transformation, whole life discipleship, and church-centered ministry. There are, uh, there are six more, six more? Math, five more. There are five more uh, missions. See, this is why I do words and not, not numbers. Okay, so there's five more values, and those are in brown around the, the compass, and we're not going to highlight all of those today just for sake of time, but they're important as well. Holistic compassion is number four, energizing ownership, proactive stewardship, relationship-based collaboration, sustainable and reproducible ministries. So these are all biblical values that we see that will become a grid for us to determine, like, is this, is this an option that we will pursue or not? So, so we just looked at the front of the card. I'm going to trust you to save the back of the card for later, okay? And now what we're going to do is just unpack those first three bedrock values this morning, show you where they come from in Scripture. They actually come from three really powerhouse Scriptures that many of us will be familiar with, but they are just, they're incredible. I won't be able to do, begin to do them justice to unpack this morning, but I just want you to see how these values are coming straight from Scripture. The first bedrock value that we'll look at is gospel transformation. I mean, this is the beginning and the end of everything that we do. Gospel transformation that always defines our core purpose. We see the priority of the gospel in Romans chapter 1, 16, where you have turned there. Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. It is the gospel that's the power of God. I remind myself of this very often on Sunday afternoons, because sometimes I'll go home, and I just, I just feel bad, because I feel like my, my words are so feeble, and I, I just don't, I can't communicate the, the awesomeness of God's love and what he has done. And so I think, okay, it's not my presentation of the gospel that is the power for salvation. It is the gospel. It is the message itself. It's not your presentation of the gospel. It's not your perfect wording of, of the gospel. It is the gospel itself that is the power for salvation. So this thesis statement these two verses here. This is the thesis statement for Paul's, I'm going to call it his magnum opus of the book of Romans. I mean, it's just an incredible explanation of what God has done to save us. And Paul summarizes that gospel in chapter 6, verse 23. We'll put this up on the screen. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So in place of the death that you and I deserve, because we have violated God's holiness, we have violated his standard, the death death that we deserve in place of that, God provides for us a free gift of salvation. And if we had time to read the whole way through the book of Romans, we would see that salvation is a very comprehensive idea. It is not, it's not just like a get out of hell free card. We, we pray a prayer and we get out of hell when we die. And then we go on about our lives. It's not that at all. It's about salvation that permeates and transforms every part of our lives. So it affects our past. The, the, the gospel frees us from the penalty of sin that we have committed in the past. So every wrong that you and I have done, everything that you and I have done that we think we can never overcome, we, we can't. We can't pay the penalty for that ourselves. God has paid for our past. In our present, it frees us from the power of sin in our present. So it gives us the ability to say no to sin and to say yes to God. That's the difference, by the way, between those who are Christ followers, who have the Holy Spirit living in them, and those who are unbelievers in the world around us. The difference between Christians and non-Christians is not that Christians can do good things, because non-Christians can do good things too. And we see that you know, all the time. There are people who do good things. The difference is that Christians are able to say no to the things that are not God's will. And that, that unbelievers do not have that ability. And so you and I have the power to overcome sin in our lives because of the salvation that God is working out in us. And then in the future, God will free us from the presence of sin. So see, he frees us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin in the present, and the presence of sin one day Jesus is going to come back. He will fully set up his kingdom on earth, and he will eradicate sin. We won't even have to make the choice anymore. Wow, what a glorious day that is going going to be. So that is the picture of salvation that Paul presents to us in the book of Romans, and he says the gospel is the power of God for that salvation. To be able to tap into that, it is the gospel, it is the good news about Jesus. And so if you have, if you're here today and you've never recognized that you have sin in your life that needs to be forgiven, I mean, the first thing I would suggest to you is like talk to somebody close to you because probably they could point that out to you. But, but in all, all seriousness, as you and I have violated God's perfect standard and we cannot pay the penalty for that. God's provided that for you. Maybe you have recognized that many of us have recognized that we have sin in our lives and we're trying to pay for it ourselves and we can't. We can't do enough good to offset the bad. God's done it for us and he offers it as a free gift that comes, Paul says, by faith. It's all about faith. It's not about us doing something. It's about receiving it by faith. In verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, and the righteous will live by faith. It frees you and me from having to achieve it on our own because God has done it for us and he wants to credit it to our account. And so the good news is that the gospel is available, verse 16. It is the power of God for salvation to whom? To 
everyone, everyone who believes. No one is excluded. And so this is the gospel transformation that permeates everything that we do. So every mission, every outreach, everything that we do, that's the end goal of what we do. It's not enough to meet physical needs, humanitarian needs. That, that, that's only temporary. That only meets a temporary need. We're about meeting eternal needs. We do want to meet those humanitarian needs because those open a door. Those are real needs, and Jesus met those needs, but he did it with an end goal of saying there's an eternal life that we want to point people to. So that's why, for example, we directed our Easter offering just uh, last month that we were taking up to help those in Ukraine with humanitarian, very real, tangible needs. We, We took up that offering and we sent it to Three organizations that meet those needs in Jesus' name. So Samaritan's Purse, Converge, and a a church in Poland that's ministering to refugees. We sent it to them. We sent that money so that they could meet those humanitarian needs and say, God loves you, and we want you to know that that Jesus uh, wants good in in your life. And so while, while I'm mentioning this, I want to give you the update on the offering total, because the last time we talked about this, I told you that we were right, we had just gone a little bit past, I think we were like $52,000, and we celebrated that, because that is amazing. But I got the final total this week, and the final total, if you're ready for this, $72,975. So, yay for God for moving in so many Hearts. This is an example. This is an example of the resources that God has blessed this church with, and, and not just that people have the resources, but they're willing to give the resources to meet needs. And so praise, praise the Lord for that. And all of that, again, going with the goal of gospel transformation in the lives of these precious people who are suffering so much. That's our priority one, gospel transformation. Priority two is whole life discipleship that includes high standards for service. We see this a little bit later in the book of Romans. If you'll flip over in your Bible just a few pages to Romans chapter 8. This is a a familiar, again, just kind of a powerhouse passage for for many people. Will sound familiar. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose— For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is about discipleship. This is about progressing in our walk with Jesus. And Romans 8.28 shows up oftentimes on social media. It shows up on coffee cups. Uh, we know that those who love, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And we so often take that out of its context 
And what we want to hear there is, okay, God, there's something going on in my life that's really difficult. I, I trust that you're working it for good, and you're going you're gonna to make my life eventually happy, and it's going to be better, and everything's going to get better. And what we've done is we've taken it out of the context because verse 29 tells us about the good that God is doing through everything that is happening. Verse 29 says, because those, this is God's purpose, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's purpose for you and for me is that we would look more like Jesus, that we would look less like our mistake-prone selves, our sin-prone selves, and look more like Jesus. So God is using every circumstance in our lives. He is working all of those things together for good, not just to make our lives more comfortable, or to make them better, but he's working, shaving off our rough edges to make us more like Jesus. And so this is really, this really builds on the idea of gospel transformation. God is all about changing us. And so we, we want to run all of our missions opportunities, again, looking at our, our tools, we think about our tool. We want to run all of our missions opportunities and options through the question, does this lead to spiritual growth? And we want to think about that from the standpoint of not only the people that we are ministering to, is it going to lead to their spiritual growth, but also those of us who are doing the ministry. If we're going hands-on and, and doing something in person somewhere, is that leading to our spiritual transformation and, and growth? See, our compass guides our mission. This is meant to help us evaluate these opportunities. So a water well by itself, several years ago, we as a church did another amazing uh, opportunity to raise, raise money and bought some water wells. A water well by itself does not accomplish this mission. It doesn't help people grow in their faith. But a water well connected to a church that's doing evangelism and discipleship, that's, that's where this becomes very powerful. And that leads us to the third priority, which is church-centered ministry that engages each individual member. And so for the biblical basis of that, we flip over to another amazing book in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3. And if you're using one of those Bibles at your seats, that is on page 1080. Again, familiar verses for, for many of us. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul is praying that God will get glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So question, when does God get glory in the church? Well, answer, when, when a church is being obedient when a church is being yielded to what God wants us to do. So a church does not bring glory to God when we are pursuing our own agenda or when we are tainted with, with sin. Our, a, a church, the, the church is the body of Christ to continue carrying out his work in the world. And I, we, I wish we had more time to look at this because this is so powerful. Paul, Paul says that, the, his power is at work within us 
as the church. So it's, it's incredible that God would choose feeble, frail, you know, messed up people like us, but he unleashes his power through the work of the church. And it says in verse 20, he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. So you and I may have our imaginations about what the church could accomplish. God's imagination is so much bigger and he has so much greater plans for us. And our compass guides our mission. We want to be about helping and equipping churches, whether it's churches in our area or churches around the world, to accomplish God's, God's work. Um, that's what I love about, we, we saw this already, just um, the equipping that goes on in, in Lebanon. Um, the horizons that we got to interact with when, when we were there, their whole goal is to equip churches, to train people in the churches, to do these internships and give people skills and, and to take uh, humanitarian gifts and give them to the church to hand out so that when people receive something, they're receiving it from a church Again, and that church is saying, Jesus loves you, and this is why we're giving it to you. It's not about this organization. They, Horizons kind of wants to hide in the background, and they just want to empower the, the church. And so, because God wants to get glory through what the church does. So, that's a, that's a really quick, really brief overview of the main points of this tool. And now I want to bring Joan back up, because I want Joan to talk to us about what's the work that happened behind this tool? Like some people may be wondering if you just sat in your office and came up with all of this. Probably took you. Yeah, a I wish day I was that two. smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, you had a really, really robust it process, was a process to develop that. Yeah. So, first off, we assembled a missions priorities team. And this team consisted of an elder representative, um, some folks that have history at Grace Point, and also some new on the scene people to Grace Point. And we were led by Ellen Livinggood, who is a longstanding member of Grace Point, but she's also the um, president and director of Catalyst Services, which serves missions communities in North America and globally. So we were in really capable, brilliant hands, and she led us through the process. We had several meetings, several meetings, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, yes, several. several meetings. We had several meetings where when we got together, we started off by looking first at all of the strategies and implementations that have been done over the last 50 plus years in missions in, in the Western church. So we started there by looking at what's already been done and why it's been done and, and just investigating that. As we were looking at that then, we were looking at how Grace Point's DNA came together and what we're about and what's our mission's history as well, which is very 120 years mm -hmm. in ministry. We have a very deep uh, history of missions. So we took all of that together, which then funneled it into what you have on that compass, those eight values. So that's what fed into that. Then we took that work and we went to a uh, elder and staff retreat weekend where we presented the information and then we were able to do some case studies. And yeah. you'll remember how, yeah, how really interesting and, and fun that was. So we took some case studies, meaning a few organizations in our that we've done part we've partnered with, we've done projects with, and we ran it through the grid of these values to see how did it how did it really 
stack up, I guess I'll say. How, how did it really come together? How will this compass serve us? What I loved about that process as well is that then the elders and staff were able to give feedback according to their viewpoint and vantage points as well. So that, that was really important. Then we took that work and it ended up coming together in this handy dandy card, which by the way, you have a very abbreviated mm -hmm. version. Um, we have an expanded version of all of those values. Like if you're reading those missional values and you're going, um, I think I have it, but I'm not really sure I have it. We have an expanded view of each of them. Plus we came up with questions that would help serve as a grid. And I have that available to anyone that would like to see that. I would love to either talk to you about it or, or supply you with it. So just catch up with me, reach out to me via email or phone call or talk to me out in the foyer and I'd be happy to get that in your hands so you can see how it expands. So yeah. really excited that the work's behind us because it was a lot of work, but yeah. really excited about how it's going to move us forward. Yeah, and I think those the questions that you developed to, yeah. to really drill into each of these values are just like gold. I mean, they just really make it very tangible and make this very practical. So, so now that this, now we have this, mm -hmm. developed this tool, um, what is it going to look like when someone comes to you now? Uh, you won't have the deer in the headlights anymore, Hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, but they come to you with yeah. an idea. So what will the process of evaluating it look like? Right. So we never meant for this to be like something that if, if someone were to come to me and say, Joan, would Grace Point like to partner in this? It was never meant to, for me to hand this to them and say, let me know how you measure up. Right, so it's not supposed to be. Do you fit us? Do we fit you? Like, like a you know, by looking at a questionnaire kind of thing. What it's supposed to do is serve as a way to have great conversations, mm -hmm. and it already has done that. I've had a number of conversations that I'm so thankful to have this. I can't even tell you. Mm -hmm. But what's been really cool in those conversations is I've had a few conversations with some organizations that said that this really helped them mm -hmm. look at what they're doing more critically to see where could they even beef up what they're doing. And, and the one part that they typically, a couple organizations have said, was really helpful for them to see is that church connection. Mm -hmm. That, you know, they they're have great things going on, but they are lacking that local church connection. And that's where, and you, you alluded to this when you were speaking as well, is that whole idea of there's a lot of organizations out there doing great things. There are. There's mm -hmm. a lot of yeah. organizations doing great things. But what makes the church different is the gospel, right? And the hope that we have in Christ. That's what stands what we do apart. So that's that's a big deal. And lastly, the, the thing that I've been excited about is, like you said, it's saving me from the deer in headlights look. I still have that look, but it's about different things usually. <laughs> and it's usually daily. But anyway... Um, it is helping me be more reactive to conversations. So I just gave you that example. When an organization's talking to me, it's helping me to be more reactive. I have uh, an objective tool to use, but it's also helping us be proactive. So rather than sitting and waiting for things to come to us, it's helping us be more proactive of what should we be seeking out? Mm -hmm. What kind of missionary that wants to go out in the field might align with our missional values? So it's, it's a reactive and a proactive tool. So super excited about it, That's if you really can't great. tell. Yeah, super thank excited. Thank you for all, all your work. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad this. to have done it. And the word that keeps coming to mind as I'm listening to you talk is just intentionality. For sure. Like this is the idea of 
you know, just being intentional. So, so this tool is free to take with you. I hope you will take it and uh, maybe study it a little more. Now you can take it home and read the back since you didn't get to do that uh, this morning. But this will help to answer some of the why questions in the coming years, again, of, of why did we choose to pursue this mission and not another one. Um, it will also, I hope, uh, maybe, and, and it will also help you kind of evaluate if you are excited about a mission uh, that you want to bring to Joan. And we want you to keep bringing those ideas to Joan because you guys have helped us connect over the years to so many wonderful opportunities. So keep bringing them, but it'll help you look at it ahead of time and just say, what, well, you know, let me look at how does this line up before I even bring it to, to Grace Point. Plus, yeah, you might find this a useful tool for you. I think probably many of us support um, other organizations or individuals um, on our own outside of Grace Point. It could be a helpful evaluative for you as well. So I encourage you to take that with yep. you. All right. Let's pray for all of this going awesome. forward. Father, um, we, we really want to be about your will, not, not doing our thing and asking you to bless it, but we want to be about doing what you have on, on your heart. And so, Lord, we trust you uh, with all the, the work that's gone into this, with all the, the um, attention given to the, the biblical basis, all the prayer that's gone into it. We're, we're trusting you to utilize this um, going forward alongside of more prayer, more evaluation, more conversation. But um, Lord, we, we really want to direct the incredible resources that you've put here in this local body of believers. We want to put them towards what is most on your heart. And so we just trust you to guide us in that. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.